I'm Colin. And I'm Megan. And this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional, Confessional, an open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet. 2020 has definitely been a year of challenges and transitions. Some of those have been relatively easy for us, and many of them have been really hard to accept and implement and just get over that hump. Today, Isabel Alvarez Arada talks about a big transition that she's currently going through, former owner of The Wag Pack. She shares how and why she decided it was finally time to close her business after 12 years, how she accepted that, and how it was really for the betterment of everybody involved. Let's get started. Hi, I'm Isabel Alvarez Arada. I was the founder and general manager of The Wag Pack um, LLC in Northern Virginia for 12 years um, until August 31st of this year, where we ceased operations in Northern Virginia forever. (laughs) Uh, Thanks to COVID, uh, we made the decision to cease operations. And um, so now I am kind of in transition, like you said. Um, We did over 10,000 pet sitting visits in in 12 years. Wow. We had a team of 18, almost 20 people um, in February of 2020. We had hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of active clients and COVID hit and it just didn't make sense to continue the business any longer based on the demand that we were seeing and how long this is going to probably take place or, or last. So we made the devastating decision to close up and uh, it's been a rough year. Uh, but, you know, here we are. And I'm, I'm excited to be here to talk to you because it's important to me. Um, as I've said a lot in my group, uh, I have a pet sitters group called Pet Sitter Place on Facebook. And I've said it since we made the announcement that even though I'm leaving the industry, the pet sitting industry, I don't see myself going back into it um, anywhere else or in the future. Um, but I want to leave the industry as well as or better than I found it 12 years ago. And I do think, if I may say so myself, I have made some good impact in the industry. I have um, hopefully helped people, inspired others, um, shared just experiences with others. And I've met amazing people in the industry. So um, I'm excited to be here to kind of make this one of my goodbyes, I guess, and one of my contributions uh, before, um, you know, I take my life in a totally different direction, maybe. I think. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I haven't made that decision. I haven't made any decisions yet. So we'll see. Yeah. Well, and yeah, I appreciate you coming on and being willing to talk to us about that and definitely want to pick your brain about some of your past experiences and what the process of closing down has has been like for you. So, you know, thinking back 12 years ago, why did you originally start pet sitting? Um, What's interesting is I, this actually just popped into my head um, today. Um, I was in the hospitality industry. Uh, I was a sales manager for Hyatt Hotels um, on Capitol Hill, working with, you know, associations and government entities doing um, conferences and conventions. We were conference hotels. We had uh, 
20,000 square feet of meeting space, 800 guest rooms, all that. And I was selling packages, guest rooms, meeting space for conferences and such. Um, so I guess I'd still be out of a job <laughs> had I stayed in that industry, right? Because yeah. <laughs> the hospitality industry has been so affected. So regardless, I feel like no matter what, I was going to end up making a huge change in 2020 no matter what my career was prior. So um, I was a sales manager working from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. in the office and then entertaining clients and attending events in the evenings. And I wanted a puppy so badly, but I couldn't, you know, take care of him myself because of my super strenuous work schedule. So I started looking, I I got the puppy. And when I was being interviewed by the rescue, the puppy is now 13, he's Titan. And um, when I was being interviewed by the rescue um, organization that I got him from, they were like, so what is your work schedule? You know, they were really digging to make sure I was a good match for him. He was four months old when I got him. Um, They were like, what are you going to do during the day? And I said, I'll get a dog walker, right? Because like financially I could afford one. I was, I was the typical professional that needed a dog walker. It was not a luxury. Like if I had a pet, I had to get help for that pet. Um, so I started looking for a dog walker in my area and I knew they existed. DC has had dog walkers forever. Northern Virginia is a suburb of DC. Um, so I knew they existed. I just hadn't really done anything until I already had Titan in my house and was ready to like hire somebody. It's, you know, start, can you start tomorrow? Um, so I started looking and I honestly couldn't find anybody that gave me true peace of mind. Um, my, I, I was in a relationship at the time and I was in a relationship with a secret service agent. <laughs> so of course the secret <laughs> service agent, a federal, a, you know, a federal law enforcement agent was like, what are their background checks? Like who's coming in my house? Like there isn't firearm in here. That's a federal government in- issued firearm, all the stuff, right. All the things. And I couldn't really find anybody that was really doing their due diligence, or at least they might've been but they didn't share that on their website. I didn't know what their inner workings were. I did call a few places and I never got phone calls back. Mm. Um, To this day, I'm still waiting on those calls to come in. Um, (laughs) So I said, you know, pets had always been my passion. I pet sat for friends and family in college, after college. I wanted a pet. I was 28 years old when I finally got my first own pet. So, you know, from college to that time, I was pet sitting for neighbors, friends. So I was like, I can do this better. Like I, I have the skills, the love of animal, but I also, I'm an entrepreneur. My parents are entrepreneurs. I'm super organized. This is one of those things that needs to really be done properly to, you know, in-home pet care is a really interesting industry because very few industries allow people to go into other people's homes when nobody's there. Right. Even your general contractor, somebody's home most of the time. Your cleaning person may be the only exception, but a lot of times people schedule their cleaning services on the weekend so that they can be there because, you know, they're going to be going through stuff and you don't know if you can really trust them. And I was like, this needs to be done properly in order mm. for the company to be you know, successful and for the client to, be, to have that peace of mind, just like we need it for Titan and for our home. So I said, I'm going to do this. And the person I was in a relationship with was like, I totally support you. I totally believe in you. Let's do it. So I started the business from our then, um, you know, office in our home. And I, 
I canvassed the neighborhood with flyers and he did too with Titan. And, um, we still, to this day, had clients that we got off of those flyers. I don't think flyers work as well anymore, but it was because we were out there on a Saturday morning meeting people that like, you know, it wasn't like we were, we didn't do it during the week when people were at work. We did it on a Saturday, introducing ourselves, you know, this cute little puppy with this, you know, he was lanky and like four months. So, you know, awkward. Um, so we, I still had clients from that experience and, and it took off. I mean, I started the WAG pack officially named it January of 2008 mm. left my corporate job, March 15th of 2008 wow. started taking clients, maybe March first. Cause I was kind of, you know, on the way out of the other ones re- prepping or rep- revving up the new job. Um, by August I was hiring people. Wow. Uh, wow. I mean, talk about, I, I would take clients anywhere I could get them. Yeah. I could, I, I would drive 40 minutes to walk a dog and make pennies on that walk because my vision was I'll get territory started. Again, the salesperson in me was like, I'll get territory started and then I'll hire somebody to take over. So once I had a couple few dogs consistent dogs in every area i would hire somebody we really like ramped up really quickly and it was amazing um because the need was there and we set out i set out to do it better and i did so i was really getting some market share um and it was an awesome awesome ride yeah absolutely and i mean you see you you were able to pull together this history and the hospitality and the desire to care for the client the customer the human make sure they were taken care of cared for and they were be, their needs were being met and you saw that whenever you experienced that of like hey this is not how you care for the cu- customer uh right. i can i can do this and so it's really right. neat to hear that you noticed that that was where you could really make an impact and make a big difference absolutely so i was in sales so i mean calling people back like customer service <laughs> yeah. 101 sales 101 you have a lead call the lead back and that wasn't happening. And I know in 2008, the economy was actually not doing well, but no- Northern Virginia is very insulated. Um, a lot of government work, a lot of government contractor work. So that the, the, the bubble bursting and, and then the recession in 2008 didn't really affect my area that much. Sure. So it was a good time to hire because we had a lot of people who were maybe coming in from other areas looking for work part-time work, whatever work they could get until they found a job. Um, I remember my first, the first time that I um, put an ad out for a job for, for employees on Craigslist, I got like 250 applications. That's how different it was back then to what it is obviously now. And we did not, that did not remain. I mean, we struggled with hiring. Hiring was always a challenge because we always, you, you either had, too much business, not enough staff or not enough business, too much staff kind of thing. So yeah. it's hard. That's, that's a hard part of the industry. But at the time, you know, we had so much work of, uh, available or work, so many workers available for the work that we had, that it was beautiful. It was awesome. And we just because of my, yeah, like my, my training with kind of closing, I was able yeah. to like, not only close clients, but close employees. Right. So like, I was able to recruit clients and employees very, very simply and very easily 
And yeah, the follow through was always there. I mean, I've had clients tell me like, you are really on top of it. (laughs) You are so on top of it, almost too on top of it because, you know, I type A personality planning meetings and, and selling guest rooms is actually very similar to booking reservations for yeah. pet sitting. You know, yeah. it's very similar. It's, you know, this is a finite product. We only have one or two pet sitters, just like we only have one huge meeting space that meets your needs. You know, it's very similar. There, there are so many similarities and customer service at the end of the day, it doesn't matter what you're selling. It's customer service. It works the same way, whether you're, you know, selling, dog walks or selling Rolex watches. It's customer service. What would you say is your secret to sauce for that? And what, you know, what got you to that? Um, well, I think the awards, like, let's start. I think the first award we got was NAPS 2012 business of the year. And I think I, I love NAPS. I was on the board of directors of NAPS later on, not when that happened. Um, but I think NAPS, I think it was the confidence to just nominate or ask somebody mm. to nominate me. I think that was really the basics of it. Um, I was like, what do I have to lose? And maybe it's just the, my, the way I was raised. My mom is like my, you know, my biggest cheerleader. And I might've said like, you know, there's this thing. And she was like, apply, apply, go do it. So I was like, what am I? And she always says she's her, my mom's biggest thing is always like, you already have the no, like, the no is basically what you have because if they say no, nothing changes, right? Mm-hmm. Go for the yes. So I applied and I, I asked one of my clients who had sent me this beautiful heartfelt letter because I had done something for her when her pet was passing on, when it was his time to say goodbye. And um, she sent me this beautiful heartfelt letter. And I said, thank you so much for this letter. Would you nominate me based on what you've said? include your letter and nominate me. And that just kind of started the process. I was also writing a column for a local um, newspaper at the time. So I think just, I won it because I was trying my hardest to educate and do the right thing for my clients and for my community. And I think that's why I, I won it. And I think so many pet sitters do that in their own way, but they don't recognize their value and their worth and what their, their impact is. So they don't nominate themselves. They don't ask somebody to nominate themselves. Um, so that was, I think that's really what it came down to because I won only because I was, I put, I put myself out there a little bit. Yeah. You had the self, you had the self-confidence. You had, you had the backing of mom going, go for the yes. And you you were able to say, yes, exactly. Able to say, yeah, you know what, what I do is important. What I do, I do it well, right? Recognizing that, putting that and being proud of the work that you do uh, is that first step of, of going, yeah, this is, I can, I can ask for this. Absolutely. And then also, you know, um, with Washingtonian, we had, we won pretty much every, they, they do it every other year. So we won 13, 15, 17, and 19. Uh, best pet care in our area. And it's a, it's a list of different areas. So we were amongst all of the best. Um, and that's another one, asking people to vote for you, saying to your clients, like, this really means a lot to me. If, if what I'm doing is making a positive impact in your life, please help me make a positive impact in my business. And people were always helpful with that. And then for the NAPS President's Award, it's, again, helping the community. I was involved in NAPS. I was trying to make it better. Um, there are still, NAPS still offers some 
products of my efforts um, as webinars. Um, I did a series with the member benefits committee that I was in charge of, a series of pet sitter training. So pet sitter 101, pet sitter 102, 103 and 104, where we basically broke down how to get into the pet sitting industry. And that did not happen overnight. And that was a labor of love. And that was taking time out of my day and my life and my, you know, my, the grind to contribute to the organization and the organization contributed to me, right? That's basically how, to me, it works is the symbiotic relationship of the business owner with the employees, the business with the community, the individual with maybe like an organization like NAPS, lifting each other up, helping each other out. And at the end, you get that positive relationship and all the awards and all the recognition because it really is a a labor of love and a team effort, a cooperative, basically. And and on that, you know, you mentioned you were involved with some education things and you do have a saying uh, that's, we believe that educated pet parents and pet care providers are empowered pet parents and pet care providers. And I love that so much. So how, how do you do that? How is that? How do you, how does that manifest in your, your daily life? And, and why is that important to you? I guess. So it's so important to me. It's probably the most important thing to me. And that is where I kind of keep thinking, I don't want to give up the Wagpack brand and I may do something with it where I continue to educate pet parents, pet sitters, small business owners. Cause I've coached, um, I've done pet professional coaching for business owners, but it's not only been pet sitting business owners, it's been hairstylists and restaurant owners too. Um, uh, so I love education. I think people always have the best of intentions, but they don't always have the information to make their intentions come to fruition. Um, Every single day I get a message from a friend or acquaintance on Facebook being like, I have this issue with my dog. I have this issue with my cat. And I may not have the answer for them, but I know enough people in the industry to point them in the right direction. And I feel terrible kind of walking away from that because I feel that I have so much to give just with my contacts, just with my um, experiences doing rescue, doing pet care professionally, doing pet care individually as a pet parent myself. So I love education. I think it's important to share what we have. I think that's every single one of our our purposes. We have many purposes in life, but one of them is to share the gifts that God gave us. And if you're not a God-fearing person, just that your genetics gave you, you know, you have gifts. Everybody has gifts. So like sharing those makes for a better world and community. Um, And I think that pet sitting and and seeing other people's experiences has allowed me to learn more than I would have just taking care of my own pets. Granted, I've had, a, <laughs> had so many pets in the past 12 years and I've even, you know, hand fed, hand raised kittens because they just kind of ended up on my lap and I've taken in strays and I've fostered and I've done all the things. So, but still, I mean, I learned from my clients and from their experiences and from my employees and from their knowledge, because I had some amazing employees. and so. Mm-hmm learning all that, I feel like I have all this knowledge to share. And I just, I'm not sure that I want to end it here, but we'll see. Yeah. And recognizing at each stage, there's still something else to learn and you can learn from, (laughs) and you can learn from anybody. And I love hearing that you said, you know, you would learn from employees too, being open, even as, you know, the founder of the company being like, 
rec- being able to recognize, wow, that was a really great idea. I had no idea. You know, t- tell me more about that. And that's that that uh, that's an attitude that more of us should have being open to learning from everybody around us and that takes getting to know people and just having a conversation with them and and admitting to yourself that you don't know everything and that's okay and that's good because that shows you can grow and that shows you can can continue to learn from others yes absolutely there are some things that i'm kind of like a staunch believer in you know like dogs should wear harnesses on walks and not just collars those kinds of things i'm not going to learn from anybody about anything because i need everybody to be on a harness those things i'm really like but like when it comes to pet nutrition um pet behavior i'm not i'm not a behaviorist at all i'm not a dog trainer I've taken courses and I plan to continue to take some courses that I've already signed up for. Um, but there's so much and science changes and knowledge changes and products change. So it would be so cool for me to be able to continue that learning and helping and sharing. Um, and I think that's something that pet sitters who are kind of stopped right now, who don't have a lot of work right now, that's what they should be focusing on is becoming a resource for their clients who may not need them physically right now. They may not need their services in their home, but they might have questions. They might, you know, just have gifts to give to their community and to their clients and to their employees, just to maintain their kind of their place in the industry until they're back at it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like to think of it as the a wheel with a hub in the middle of it. And and we as pet sitters can put ourselves right in the middle and c- connect all the spokes from the others on the pet care team to make sure that each client's taken the best care of and that we can connect the, the owner to that information. We can be the, where they go to, their go-to source. Well, what's really cool for me is, um, and I've said this, I've presented a few times in different conferences. And one of the things that I remember always being kind of annoyed with, with like the participants. And there's always like that question of, but like, I can't let go of the reins of my business. I don't want to hire because nobody's going to do it as well as I am. And I am here to tell you that that is not true. I hired people that made me look like a bad pet sitter because they were so good Mm. because they did stuff that I maybe would not have thought about doing just because I was focused on something else. Not because I didn't have the, uh, the interest or the, the, you know, the intention or the will to do it just because I was maybe focused on something else. Um, I have seen pet sitters do more and be more successful. I have a very upbeat personality and upbeat energy. I'm always like, go, go, go. I've seen people do better with animals with a different energy than my own. Right. So I always used to say like, don't think you're the only person that can do this job. There's so many other people who can do it and you can, you can, you might be amazing at one thing, but somebody else might be amazing at something else. And to think that you're the only one who can be trusted is really kind of a sad place to be. Um, I really knock on wood. I mean, I guess I don't need to knock on wood anymore because we're not providing services anymore, but (laughs) we, we had one insurance claim in 12 years and it was a full accident. It was a full accident and it was one of our favorite clients and it was a midday dog walking client whom we adored. And it was my best pet sitter in the history of the wag pack. Um, or one of, I guess I should say, because we had amazing people. Um, and it was a total accident. And it was granted, really, we got really lucky. Um, the, the dog got off the harness. The harness was too loose. 
They probably should never have given it to us. Apparently it happened before, but they never really thought it would happen again. The dog was skittish about certain trucks driving by and she got off the harness, ended up pinned under a car, not hit by the car, just pinned under it because she was small enough. She had some damage to her belly, kind of like scrapes and stuff. They had to clean out. They they had to uh, stitch up a couple. But I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it was tiny. One. And we did 10,000 plus pet sits in 12 years. One. So yeah. people can be trusted. People need to be trained. Sometimes people may not know how to do the job. You need to teach them and tell them what the expectation is. But you can trust people. And that's one liability insurance claim. We had zero bond claims, zero theft situations. We had one situation where a client accused us or accused the pet sitter, but she didn't really. She called and she was like, I don't want to say this. I feel terrible saying this. I think she may have stolen my wedding bands. And we knew for sure, 100%, without a doubt, she hadn't. Um, we called the police. We went through all of the, you know, all of the things that you do when you have a bond. We talked, we always used, um, business insurers or the Carolinas. They, we called them. What do we do? They told us what to do. We followed all the instructions. Um, my, I was not interviewed, um, by the police because I was no longer local, but my business partner was interviewed by the police. The employee was interviewed by the police. Um, turns out somebody she knew had stolen them. Somebody she was dating or something had stolen them. We never heard again from her. We never heard again from the police. Nothing ever came of it. So that was one bond situation where we didn't have to use the bond. And then one situation where we had to use our liability insurance. Um, workers comp, we did use again once because somebody fell, tripped over a uh, leash and broke her nose. In 12 years, yeah. out of 10,000 pet sits, Plus, because that's, that's, that's just like my kind of round number that I use, um, three different situations and everything else, I mean, was just, it's, it's not always smooth sailing, but you, you people think of the worst. People think they're going to lose a pet. They're going to steal from my clients. That's not the case. And there's so many good people out there that you can use to, you know, to build your brand and, and see your vision come to fruition. I mean, I just, it's limited. It's a limiting thought process. And it's one that thankfully I never had to deal with because I always believed in my team. And I always believed that the right people were out there and would find their way to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's the client originally trusted you enough to go into their home when they weren't there. Why, what is it about someone else that you can't give that same trust to? that you can't give that right. trust to them. And and yeah. I'm sure and so part of that is having good policies and procedures in place for hiring processes and all of these kind of things. So so talk about that a little bit about the importance of having a good maybe what makes a good policy and procedure and how it's beneficial to a business. So we at the Pack, we always over-communicated. That was something that was really important to me. Setting expectations is not something you just do with the client. It's not just something you do with the employee. It's with everybody. You set expectations with everybody. I mean, I, I set expectations with myself, you know, of how things should go. And even when I'm failing, you know, when I'm not quite meeting that expectation, I hold myself accountable because setting expectations is really what makes it either go smoothly or not. You know, good service to different people is is different to different people. That's one of the in- things I always interviewed people with was a question about what's good. In, what's tell me of a situation where you had 
awesome service, customer service, because Mm -hmm. what's good customer service to me might be intrusive to you, right? It might be too much for you. You might not want to be on a first name basis with the person at the front desk. You might just want to sneak in and out of the hotel with people not really on your tail, right? So like good service may not be to me what it is to you and vice versa. So policies for clients are super important because they set an expectation. This is how we do what we do. That's the procedures part of the policies and procedures. And then this is what we won't do, which is basically your policies, right? They are your limit. They are your boundary. And what makes a good one is it's a, if it's enforceable. If it's not enforceable, it's not, a, it's not a policy. It's junk. It's a waste of your time and the client. So that's the biggest thing. And then a second most important thing is that it's sustainable. And I'll give you kind of an example of those. Because enforceable, we, don't do, we never did refunds. We would always say you can get a credit towards your next pet care visit but you're not getting a refund. Why did we do that? There's always a reason. There has to be a good reason for your policy. You can't just be like, oh, somebody else down the street did that. I mean, that's not a good policy. (laughs) The reason we did that is because when people pay up front, which is what we required for confirmation of services, they're serious about that trip. They're not just kind of penciling you in and then expecting a refund if it doesn't, it doesn't, if, if it falls through, right? I didn't want to commit my staff to something that wasn't going to actually happen because everybody has a life. Everybody has things going on. Nobody wants to be like waiting on a Friday night. Do I start tomorrow or not? You need to know what, how to plan your weekend. Everybody has stuff going on. So out of respect for my staff and for myself, because I provided services for seven years, full time, 24 seven. Um, I, I, that was a policy that we really kind of held strong on. We never gave refunds, never gave refunds. The only time we made an exception is if the pet passed away, obviously they only have one pet. The pet passes away before they go on vacation. I'm not going to keep that money. That was the only, only reason. I mean, we had people who got sick and still we didn't give a refund. I mean, I never offered it. They never bought it. So they eventually used it when they were better. Um, they used the credit when they were better. But that was one of the biggest things. And I had a client be like, I want my money back. And I said to him, but our our policy is that we don't give refunds. You agreed to that when you became a client. And he said, I mean, I get that being a policy, but enforcing it. And I said, all of our policies are enforced. I wouldn't waste your time or mine making you read something as part of your policy agreement that I had no intention to enforce. So every single thing that you signed on, I've thought about, I've really made sure that it works. And I enforce with you and every other client. I don't make exceptions. And he was kind of like, oh, okay, well, I guess that makes sense. Okay. Well, I'm glad you think so. Because I think maybe sometimes people in art, because it's a pet care industry, I think people think it's like cute or like a hobby and they don't realize how serious it is for us and how many balls we have in the air. Yeah. It's not like an ice cream shop where every client comes to me. I'm sending people out to different homes in different areas. I need to have backups. I need to do a lot of things just so that that dog walker can be in your house at noon on Tuesday. So I don't think people think that far into it. So he was like, what, what, why would you enforce this? And it's because I have to, because if I didn't, if I gave refunds left and right, then what would I have at the end of the day? Just a bunch of cancellations. Yeah. 
And then yeah. I'd be working because a cancellation is work for me. Like I already booked it. I approved it. I sent you the confirmation. I assigned it to the client, to the staff member, the staff member got the key and all that. And now I, now I did all that. And now I'm going to have to work to give you a refund, get the key back, blah, 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 <laughs> give you the refund, draw on my, take it off the schedule. I mean, that's time and effort. So I'm not doing that for everybody just so that, I mean, that when people do that, it really makes me nervous that they're wasting all this time and making zero money because you're just, people take advantage of that cancel, like freebie cancellation and you're just working for no reason. So that was, that's one of the enforceability situations, but sustainability too. When I started the WAG pack, I was way more, I guess I had more strict policies and I might, my policies are pretty strict still, but I had more strict ones. Like I, I made a difference between like the cancellation policy for holidays versus regular time. And honestly, it was not enforceable. I was too busy to be like, what day did this get canceled? And what day can I refund? And announcing to clients that this week is a no cancellation week. And I, I dropped it because it was not sustainable. So mm-hmm. my policy at the, for basically the maybe 11 years out of the 12 was a 24-hour cancellation policy that we enforced as of 6 p.m. the day prior. So it was technically a little less than then 24 hours, but 6 p.m. the day prior, if you help, if you let me know, you'll get a credit on your account. After 6 p.m., one, I'm not on my email. So I'll see it the next morning. And two, at that point, I feel like I need to pay my staff member. So you don't get your money back. That was it. And that was that was simple, sustainable, enforceable. And it was fair. I felt it was really fair for everybody. The key to that sustainable part is it's it's sustainable to you, right? It's sustainable for you to keep your head wrapped around for you to understand it, for you to enforce, for you to go to bat for that every single day. It's not that's right. so key. Many people think the policies are for somebody else. So once I, once they write this is this is for them so they know. It's like no no no. No, that's that's for you, right? You're the one that's going to be enforcing it. You're the one that's going to be reminding people. That falls to you. 1000% I feel like policies, whether it be for the employee or for the client or for the independent contractor, that's for the business. It's not for everybody else. The, the, the goal should be that it be mutually beneficial. All of these policies be mutually beneficial, of course. But at the end of the day, the business is providing the policies as a protection for the business and the business operation, just like for the business operation on the employee end or the IC end. Um, it has to be in a in a way that the business is better for having it rather than not, right? <laughs> yeah. So if not, if the business is not better for having it, then why even have it? Right, right. That's that's a question you got to ask yourself. Like, is is this actually beneficial? If not, Correct. this needs to go. <laughs> and you have to believe in it because there is going to be a client that questions you on that policy, and you mm-hmm. have to be able to very quickly defend it and explain why it exists. Clients, I feel like people who have never worked in a customer service situation, I was a server in college. So I think that's one of the best, that's like a customer service boot camp. It's a time management boot, you know, waiting tables is, is everything's at the same time. It's, it's time management. It's, you know, condensing trips to make sure that you're like, using your time properly. It's customer service. It's gift of gab. It's all the things. And I mean, I've always had, you know, that customer service experience. I started working when I was 14 years old and I've been in customer service this whole time. Mm. And you need to be able to concisely just like really defend that policy. And if you don't believe in it, 
you're not gonna be able to do that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if you're just copying because it's an industry standard, well, find out why it's an industry standard so that you can defend it. Because otherwise you're just kind of giving this explanation that's going to sound disingenuous and the client's not going to buy it. No, no. Yeah. That policy, you have to write that with in mind of someone in your face with the finger pointing at you going, why, why is this right? You, you need, right. You said you need to be able to look at that and go, well, this is why, and this is, yeah. this is, you know, right. <laughs> and, and really truly explain it. Like, you know, one of the policies that we had was always a key drop fee. Uh, when people wanted to return their key, us to return their key after their trip. I don't want to have to do that. I don't want to, to deliver your keys. I want you to keep them on file so that every time that you are in a bind, you call me, right? I also, if I'm sending a staff member to you, it costs money to send them to you. So I need to cover that cost. So I'm going to make it so that that is, I didn't make it prohibitive, but I made it a, a fee because I don't want you wasting my time. I don't want to make multiple trips. I want you to, to schedule seamlessly because I know it's a benefit for you. So all those reasons I can pop out in a second when people are like, well, why? It's my key. Why do I have to get paid to get it back? Yeah. Because you gave it to me and it's in my possession and now it costs me money to get it back to you. Yeah. That's why. <laughs> you <Yeah>. know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it just shows that like, you know, those kind of policies show that you take it seriously because it is serious and you value yourself. You value your time. You value your employees' time. And and all of that is wrapped up into those kind of policies and procedures is that when you value yourself enough, those kind of policies get put into place. Agreed. And I have um client I have staff members who would have done more, you know, would would have done would have done the key drop for free. Yeah. They would have because they were that good and that committed and that loving and that that willing to help, but I didn't think it was fair for them. So that I felt like I was there to make it again, mutually beneficial. It should be a benefit to the client to have us and for the staff member to have that client. And mm. if they're being, you know, abused back and forth with the key, then it's no longer beneficial for the employee. So my job as like the kind of like the, the head of the, the, the captain of the ship was to make sure that everybody was getting what they deserved. Sure. The client was paying a lot of money. We were the most expensive pet sitting service in our area. They were paying a lot of money. So I was expecting them to get top-notch service. Our staff members were giving it their all. I was expecting them to have every single visit, every single trip they made to the house, pay them enough to make it more than worth their while. Mm. I mean, if it wasn't that case, why would they even get off the couch, right? So that was my priority always is those policies to protect everybody and to make it sure that everybody's getting what they expect, that setting of expectations. Have you heard about Time to Pet? Claire from Acton Critter Sitters has this to say. Time to Pet has honestly revolutionized how we do business. My sitters can work much more independently because they have ongoing access to customer and pet information without relying on me. I save hours upon hours of administrative time on billing, processing payments, and generating paychecks. If you are looking for a new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. As a listener of Pet Sitter Confessional, you'll get 50% off your first three months when you sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. And now you've been doing that manage it, management remotely for a while now. Talk to us about that because I'm really interested to hear how that's working. Um, you know, it was working amazingly well until COVID. Um, <laughs> so my in 2000. 
15, I got married to my husband, who is active military. And since 2015, we have moved three times. <laughs> Ooh. Um, yeah. So the army life is not for me. It's tough. It's hard. There's a lot of moving. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's, 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 it is what it is, right? Ask any military family. It's just, it is what it is. It's your life. And we left to rural Louisiana. And so before, obviously we knew that he was going to move probably around December of 2014. And I had a business partner at the time. She and I obviously were like, what do we do? Um, where do my, the business is based in my dining room. What do I do with it? So we kind of started considering we were big enough and profitable enough that we could look at meeting space or office space. And so we did one day kind of drove in January of 2015 in snow, driving around together, looking at like lease signs and professional areas. And we found a place that was a super steel, super pretty, awesome place. And we set up shop there. It was a labor of love. We poured ourselves for a month into that office, transitioned everything there. That was February of 2015. And I moved out of the area in July of that year. Um, so kind of left everything as a, it was basically like a self-service office for our employees, which was awesome. Everybody had a key to go in. We had equipment, we had keys, we had cubbies for them. Um, it was awesome. It was a really great space. Um, for a long time before I became a mom, I was going back and forth about three times a year for two weeks. And I would stay there. I would train my staff in pet first aid. I would do uh, staff meetings. I would do all the like, you know, staff events so that, you know, to build rapport with the, the employees, meet the new staff that I had, I had hired over Skype. The whole time I've been running the Wagpack remotely um, because my team was so good and I, my business partner was local for a long time, but then she moved out of our service area, but still closer than I was. Um, and our staff members were just really reliable and really good people. And our office, um, setup was really seamless and um, helpful. Uh, our location was really central to everybody. So it was basically like smack dab in the middle of our whole service area. It was an awesome, it was, I was living the dream. I was truly living the dream. And uh, then COVID hit and our business diminished so much that um, we couldn't really cover the rent with zero business, right? Um, so luckily we have the most amazing landlords who loved us and who really supported us. And they allowed us since April to be at 50% uh, rent. And then they let us out of our lease without penalty. And we actually asked for September 30th to be the last day. And they were like, why? <laughs> Just be out by September 1st, because you, you, we all know it's not going to get any better with that month and save that money. And they were wonderful. So they let us out of our lease, but that was really the thing that made it possible for me to be remote because we still had that like meeting area and that space where the wag pack lived, even though I was physically not there, we had snacks for staff and we had it beautifully decorated. And every time I went over, we had breakfasts or happy hours or something. Um, once I had kids, it was a little harder. I was going maybe twice a year. Um, this year I didn't think I was going to go at all because I just had a baby in February. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, it was, it was the, the office space that made it possible for me to be remote. Um, we had a, a big office safe kind of like a utility closet that we turned into the key safe. Um, all that we thought about everything. It was truly, uh, it was truly like a, a work of art. And I 
we just had to sell everything in there. And that yeah. was so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, after, after 12 years and after everything that you've poured into this, you had to make that call that it was time. You know, what, how, how did you know that it would, that it was, that it was time you had to do it? Yeah. So I'm a really intuitive person. Um, and again, please do not make decisions based on me. I am not a witch. I'm not sitting here with a crystal ball. Please do not make any decisions based on what I'm about to say. I only have intuition about what affects me personally in my life, not everybody else. Um, so I, it was, we called, we closed our operation because of COVID on March 23rd. I laugh and I joke because I called it before the local government did twice. Mm. Um, and I called it on a Sunday. I sent an email to everybody. I think it was March 22nd, 23rd. And the reason I called it and I said, we're not going to provide services because of this pandemic is because the vast majority of my midday dog walkers are over 60. So they were in the high risk categories. And I asked my staff member, one of my rock stars, Sherry, who we can talk about her in a second. I will. I want to talk about Sherry. Um, she, I asked her over text just on a random Sunday when this was all ramping up, how do you feel? And she said, I'm scared. And I called it. I said, I'm not sending, not for what we pay, not for what they pay us. Am I sending somebody into somebody's home who may or may not be even taking this seriously? Cause it was so early on. Um, so I called it, my clients were all fine with it. We thought two weeks, three weeks, four weeks, you know, we'll see you soon. Um, but then I think it was a week later, March 31st or something, when the government of, of, of Virginia, the governor of Virginia shut us down through June 3rd. So mm. on March 31st, he said, we are shutting down. Everybody's quarantined. We are not considered essential because we didn't have any essential workers as clients. All of our clients were already home. They were really just booking us to help us. Work shut down till June 3rd or June 10th, June 10th. So we're talking two and a half months. And I immediately said, there's no coming back from this. Not because of the, because of the way that we operate. One, because we have a lease and we pay rent in a, in a high rent area, right? It's not just like we pay rent. We pay rent in a high rent area. Um, we, I am remote. So I'm not going to be there to pick up the pieces. My business partner is not like me. She and I complement each other because she's not, she's not the networking person. She's not going to be the one going to the, you know, chamber of commerce meeting. She's not going to ramp things up. She's a really good processes person. She's great at managing things. She has great, wonderful ideas. She's awesome with tech, but she's not your salesperson that's going to go ramp things back up. And I'm not there to do it. And if I, even if I was, I have two young, very young children. So like the amount of work that I put in when I was single without children with two dogs that, you know, I had dog walkers to care for so that I could go do my thing. That wasn't the case anymore. So I just said, this is not sustainable. And I called my mom and my mom was like, again, my mom, my mom is amazing. And she's an entrepreneur and she's a VP for a bank. She's, you know, she's all the things. And she said, would you start this business today? And I said, no, mm. would I start a, this business in a pandemic? No. Would I start a business that is so time intensive? Um, even in my own city with, I, with two young children, probably not. And would I 
start a business in another area that I don't live in? No. So all the answers were no. I would not today start the WAG pack in Northern Virginia. So she said, there you go. So there you have your answer. So we kind of, I called my business partner and she, that's, you know, we had that conversation of, did we really just lose our business to a pandemic? (laughs) And yes, we did. Um, But it just made the most sense to us based on our logistics to shut down. And I'm a very, I'm not, I'm a very intuitive person, but I'm also, I'm a very um, analytical person. So I said, okay, this is what my gut's telling me, but let's see, let's, let's see what, what our clients say. So what we did was we sent we waited until end of May and we sustained things. Cause I, you know, my thought was maybe we take this online. Maybe we do online training. My business partner is a dog trainer. Maybe we do a lot of on- online things. Um, so I sent an email, a, a survey to my clients, a, a really big client base and um, asked them what they foresaw their need for dog walking or pet sitting to be from that day through the end of 2020. And we got 34 responses. Hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of clients. We got 34 responses. People were not, they weren't even thinking about their dog walker right now. Um, And the vast majority said they had zero need for dog walking. They weren't going to travel. They weren't letting service providers in their house. Again, a lot of my clients are older and in the high-risk groups, and you can't control what the client's doing. You can't control what the staff member's doing. I can't vouch that my staff members aren't going out on the weekends or doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I don't know. So nobody, all all the signs showed that it was not going to be sustainable for the rest of the year. And again, do I really want to maintain a lease for when things are going to start ramping up again? When I don't live in the area, no. If I lived in the area, it would be totally different. The business wouldn't have an office space. It would still be in my house. We wouldn't have that overhead. We would probably, you know, have just kind of taken a little hiatus, you know, hibernation of some sort until things ramped up. Because regardless, I still have my house. I still pay my mortgage. You know, it's not it's not costing me anything to maintain it. But in our case, it was costing us a lot of money. Even with the with the 50% that our landlords offered us, it was still costing us money. And the reality is they want somebody who can pay full price. They don't want to hold off indefinitely at 50%. Right. So it just it just made sense, you know? Right. And the key to that, you know, you started off by saying it made sense to you for your business at that time, you know, and that question that your mom asked, your mom, your mom's awesome. Uh, we'll just, we need to make sure we say that, um, you know, that question that she asked you is just so powerful of, would you do what you have right now? If you had an option, like, would you start this exactly as it exists? And you were right. No, like this is, this is not, not in this environment, not the way I'm managing it. It's not what I want right now and it's not going to work. And that, that little simple question is just so powerful to ask yourself, is this what I want right now? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's a really good question for other people who are in the same situation to ask themselves, because would you start your business right now in a pandemic? Okay. Maybe no. But let's take out the the pandemic completely and say, would I start this business today? Outside of a pandemic, would I do this again? I made this decision 12, five, seven years ago, whatever, however long the business has existed. I made this decision 12 years ago. Would I make that same decision today? 
let's even assume that the that the market was the same, that the global situation was the same. Would I make that decision today? A lot of people would actually say no. Oh. Maybe they went into it not realizing all the effort that it was going to take. Um, all the logistical nightmare that even the key situation, just like I can't wait to get rid of keys. Um, one of probably one of the most ca- most cathartic things for my business partner who managed the keys was probably getting all the keys that were not claimed and throwing them in the trash. <laughs> she was, it was probably the best thing that's happened to her in 2020, right? <laughs> because keys are a nightmare. So like all those things that people didn't really realize before they started their business, maybe that would tell them, no, I don't want to do this anymore. And it's a good time to have an exit strategy if you have one. If you have one or you want to create one, it's a great time to do it. Right. So yeah, what what advice would you give? Someone else is in this position and they're going, yeah, I don't know if this is where I need to be right now. How do what, what does that exit look like? What has it looked like for you? What's that process been like as you've transitioned out of the industry? Um, again, I love my brand. I love what we built. So I don't want to give that up. I'm going to have my, my business partner who's already on to bigger, better things. Like she has her own, um, she's going to start her own boarding in her home. She is a dog trainer trained by Victoria Stillwell. So she's, I mean, she's got everything awesome. Um, she is going to just give me the brand. There's no value to it right now. So she's going to hand it over and, you know, I'm going to keep it. I don't know what I'm going to do with it, but, but the wag pack, the website I built in October with all this intention of like blowing it out of the park here, like this year, 2020 was going to be amazing. We had like 18 new clients in in, in um, January and I was pregnant. I was like on maternity leave. Um, and we had, we were just doing so well. Um, all of those good intentions. I'm just going to hang on to that. I'm not ready to part with it. So I haven't really dissolved the brand. I'm going to close the LLC in Virginia because I'm in Texas. So I don't need that anymore. We don't have an office space there anymore. So I don't need that anymore. Um, the most time consuming thing is like, you know, QuickBooks, shutting that down, getting, you know, all the accounts that you build as a business, getting everything closed so that you don't keep getting billed for it. That's yeah. a big one. Um, the, the whole, the whole the clients kind of understood like they, they knew this was happening a lot. A lot of them responded being like, I was afraid this was going to happen. Um, some of them were giving us money, you know, just literally charge me for dog walks that you're not doing. Um, and I stopped doing that because I thought to myself, like I kind of did it April and into May, I said, you know what, you don't know how this is going to affect your family. So I'm not trying to like, just keep taking your money. I did it for April just cause I, I thought, okay, it's a month. Um, they're still employed. Um, but a lot of clients just were like, I, uh, we figured this was going to happen. Throw away my key. Like there's no need to even give me back my key. I'll get keys made, whatever. Then um, we also did two days in our office. Thankfully we have office space for do, for, to do it, but we did like three hours um, on a Saturday and three hours on a Thursday or Friday evening where we said, come get your keys if you want them. Mm. Wear your mask, come on in, let us know that you're coming. So we have it ready to go in an envelope and give it to you. Um, so we did that. Um, some people asked us to mail the keys at their expense, um, which, you know, we did, um, some people, most people just said, discard my keys and best of luck to you. And thank you for everything. So that was a pretty easy process. Employees were already kind of furloughed or, or laid off, I guess. Um, the, the great thing is we did have a couple of employees that were willing to just take whatever they could get through the end of it. Um, we gave clients the opportunity to use credits that they had. So even if they didn't need us to walk their dog, 
they let us walk their dog just so that they could use their credits. So we had staff members do that through the end of, it was kind of till September 11th, we still had somebody scheduling. Um, so our staff members were willing to take that on. Um, it kind of just all fell into place. People are very, very reasonable under the circumstances, right? They, they yeah. get it. I mean, they didn't expect us to stay afloat indefinitely under the circumstances. So um, closing down has been really kind of easy. I mean, emotionally, the yeah. selling of this stuff was a lot. And I know my business partner, because I'm not there, my business partner had to do a lot of legwork on getting stuff sold so that we could take something from our business. Like literally whatever hundreds or thousands of dollars we might be able to make off of the furniture, um, and that's not a lot of thousands, few thousands that we might be able to, you know, take, we're trying to take. So that was a gruesome process for her, I'm sure. And for me, emotionally pricing that stuff from afar was, it sucked. It was sad. It, you know, returning the keys, <laughs> returning the keys, um, was hard. Ugh, it just, it all sucked. Um, but it's been, it's one of those things where I feel like everything happens for a reason. And at the end of the day, I don't think we had another choice. So wh- why am I going to fight it? Right. I, I, I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get all sad about something that happened that is no reflection on me. It's no reflection on my business partner. It's no reflection on our business. It's just, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and so, you know, one question comes up there is the client list, you know, what, what, did you ever think to sell that to somebody or to do that? You know, what, what was your processing of that? So I don't think, and this is my opinion. Um, I don't think that a client list at this point has any value Mm. at all, at all. When my clients are telling me that indefinitely, they don't know they're going to be working from home. I just shared on my Facebook page and in, in my Facebook group, um, I shared again, I have a pet sitters group. It's called pet sitter place. And I shared in that group, um, an article from the Washingtonian that said that 72% of office workers in the DC in DC proper are going to be working remotely until summer of 2021. Right. And many corporations all over the world and all over the country specifically have made that kind of taking that stance saying that, you know, at least through January, everybody's going to be working from home, uh, till th- I, some Merrill Lynch, I think has said through third quarter of 2021, yeah. they're doing work from home. So I don't think that my client list has any value whatsoever. Um, so it, I thought about it for a very quick second and then I came to that conclusion and I, I mean, I'm not going to just, when you think about selling something like that, um, you think the legal fees and you think of the valuation and you think of the, you know, that those all cost money, right? Yeah. So you it has to be priced high enough to cover at least those costs and make it worth your while. And I just don't think that that's possible. That's my opinion. I didn't even look into it. That's just my, again, my gut feeling is that. Um, so what I did instead was I asked my staff members who have helped me build my business some of them have given every single thing that they had every holiday, every, every bit of energy. They broke their nose walking dogs. <laughs> um, they deserve the opportunity to take over those clients. And that's what I did. I asked mm-hmm. them, are you interested in taking over your clients, whether as a business, starting your own business or just as a friend? You know, like they already have a rapport with you. Do you want them to call you when they travel next year? And a few of them said yes. 
So I just, I told my clients when we announced our closure that if they wanted to get in touch with their staff member, I would ask the staff member if it, their permission and I would put them in touch if it was a go. Um, mm. And we did that. We put a lot of people in touch. Um, my the staff member who broke her nose, um, Sherry, who is yeah. amazing. She like blood, sweat, tears, literally. Um <laughs> said over the wag pack as an employee as an employee she was she she took it so seriously she was that committed um she started her own pet sitting business and she's i think it's sherry's pets and she's now taken over her clients her clients are thrilled to still have that resource um she's amazing she's one of these people that has taught me how to be a pet sitter she's one of these people that makes me look like a bad pet sitter because she went above and beyond way way more than i would have done even just logistically and and with policies and stuff like she was just like so so dedicated so she has her own business now so that to me is a win-win for everybody and it makes me happy to see that somebody is taking taking what they learned from me whatever it was and making it their own right and i'm sure it's also kind of a, a cleaner break too for you to be able to see these people to continue to go out and flourish be well cared for and be be rock stars and take what they've learned and and continue doing that in that area you know it's funny you should say that because i don't know how many businesses my competitors i would have been 100% comfortable handing that list to even with money involved because we did things so specifically and in such a very, very cognizant way that I felt, I feel like my clients were ex- expecting something that they may not have gotten, not a, not a dig on any of my competitors. And some of my competitors may have even been doing things better than me, but I just wasn't positive of that. And I wasn't sure how that would work. Um, and I just, I wasn't comfortable even pursuing that just because of the payoff, not me. I didn't want to have that transaction close and then be like, I hope they're doing a good job for them. I hope, I hope they don't make me look bad because at the end of the day, when you sell a client list, you're kind of standing behind it. Yeah. And I just didn't, I didn't feel that it was the payoff was enough to take that risk. So I 100% stand behind every single staff member that took those clients. And I can sleep at night knowing that they're going to do the best thing for those people. And that's good enough for me. As you were closing down your business, you, you looked around and you saw those policies and procedures that we had touched on earlier. And, and you saw those and, and, and you, you kind of view those as a resource, I guess. And, and, and now you're, you're looking at those and they're, um, they're available to people who are interested yeah. in, in, in making them part of their business. So what was that process? What, what made you think to, to do that as you were shutting everything else down? I don't know. I don't know what, I mean, so years ago, my plan was to franchise the Wi-Fi because we're that good. Like to me, that, that was it. Like we have these processes. We, we know how to do it. We do it right. My husband says, when we started dating, he, he said to me, I was kind of explaining the wag pack and how we do things. And he said, so you're what right looks like. R-I-G-H-T. And I said, yes, exactly. We're what right looks like. And that's what came to me is because we are what right looks like, but we have no use for these things that we have poured over. And I really was serious about franchising. So I really organized all of our policies. We had attorneys look at things. All of our employee manual was 
um, revised and edited and even like just really made more robust by a legal team. So, I mean, these things have value because of what I planned to do with my business, franchise it. Um, so I said, let me just sell this to people. And again, trying to make what I can salvage what I can out of the investments that we made in these things. Um, so I said, let me sell these. And my business partner was like, yeah, like, again, she truly believed we're what right looks like. Let's do it. People need this stuff. So um, we were basically selling three things. Um, their packages, their da- digital downloads. Um, the first one is all of our client forms. Everything that we've ever used with clients, um, our policies and procedures, frequently asked questions, um, um, gosh, forms that were very specific to situations like us, un- unsupervised um, access to the yard waiver, where people who have doggy doors are expecting your insurance to cover you, they, you and their pet when you're not even there. <laughs> Right. So we had a waiver that we made with our legal team to protect us. So, yeah, you want your your dog to use a doggy door. Well, I need you to sign this. So um, just a, a bunch of things. We had a rewards program that we just conceptualized last year. That is awesome. And clients were super excited about um, really, truly like elevating our business to really, truly like almost a corporate level in the in the sense that we really wanted that that bang for your buck when you booked the wag pack, you got more than that value add, you know, that value add that you get from Nordstrom or Whole Foods or something, something that you think this brand really stands out because of all the things that the extras that I get or, or just like the, the, the quality that I get. Um, so we really had some awesome forms and some awesome documents that we use with our clients to really stand out from the competition and from whatever their preconceived notions of a pet care provider would have been. Um, so those are the client package that's we're selling for a hundred dollars. There are like 19 downloads, I think in the client package. So, I mean, tons of information for a hundred bucks. Um, and then we're doing the employee package, which is for somebody who maybe doesn't even have employees right now, but wants them in the future. You have to get this. Um, it's $150 and it includes our 10 page employee manual amongst a ton of other things. Um, and then we have, um, our insider package, which is both the client and the employee package, but on top of just getting like the downloads, which I think is 36 downloads total, um, you get access to a a special Facebook group where I manage it. And you can ask me questions about all those documents. Um, so that you can kind of be like, what the same conversation we just had, like, what is this, this sustainable? What if I change this policy? Why did you have this policy? Did you ever use this? That kind of conversation that you maybe want to have with somebody when you download something, but you don't have access to the person, um, you'd have access to the person and to the, 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 I guess, insight behind why we did how things, how we did them and why we did things, um, when we did them, et cetera. So, I mean, $250 for the insider package, which is literally the cost of both packages. And then you get the bonus of the group. Um, and in the group too, I plan on just sharing other stuff. I'm, I have to clean out my, my computer. So I just plan on, you know, when I find something, sharing it in there so that I can really just give, give, give. And instead of just deleting and emptying this, tra- you know, this document that I put so much effort into sharing it with somebody, obviously getting some money for it because we really, the, the thought process we would, the, we priced it so that most, it would be accessible for everybody, even in a pandemic 
right? So like a hundred dollars to invest in like 19 downloads of, for your clients alone that you could probably make that work, but there's so much to it. And so good, such good stuff that I feel like people who really want to do it right, but don't know how are going to benefit from this. And that's where like, again, my heart is like, I want to leave things better. I want people to it to be accessible to people. I don't want, you know, I don't care that my competitors who, you know, have multi or million dollar businesses can access this. They have access to attorneys. I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about the people who really have all the best of intentions are very serious about their business, but they don't have that. I mean, our employee manual, it costs over a thousand dollars to have it just looked at by an attorney. Sure. Just looked at (laughs) then all of the additions and subtractions and conversations were more than that. So though most business owners don't have that, especially new ones. So whether you're thinking of employees down the line or not, I would suggest getting the insider package because it's $250 and you get so much more and you get the access to the group. The group, I'm, I plan to manage it through December 31st um, because I don't know what 2021 is going to bring. Um, but the group will be accessible to its members. So all the downloads are going to be there. The conversation can continue, maybe not with my guidance, but the conversation will continue. So I consider it maybe like kind of like a coaching group but a self-sustained one after, you know, after 2020. Um, so I think if anybody is kind of has that a little bit of money to, to get something, I know sometimes there's a lot of digital courses online right now that are very, very, um, cheap. You get a lot more, you know, you, you're, you're, we have access to a lot of good things right now. This is more than a course. This is way more than a course. This is a this is literally the bones of my business that I'm sharing with everybody. It's proprietary information that I was going to franchise, sell at a lot of money to somebody who wanted to start their business under the Wagpack name, and I'm basically giving it away for $250. So I'm not saying that because it's going to line my pockets. At the end of the day, we've lost a lot more than we're going to make you know, because we had to shut down a 12 year business, going to kind of like end it 1231 and start fresh in 2021. And I don't know how, but in some other way, I maybe just will take a sabbatical. I don't know. I have no idea. Well, yeah, I did want to touch after 12 years and after everything that you're doing in this entrepreneurial entrepreneurial spirit that you have, and I'm sure your mom's asking you about what you're going to be doing next. I'm, I'm going to ask, what, what's, what's the future hold for you? <laughs> My mom is like, how are you? How, how do you manage these two children? That's what my mom wants to know. <laughs> being, a parent, being a parent in 2020 is a lot harder than it was when I was born. And I'm not going to say what year that was. I, let's keep that a secret. Um, but yeah, my mom's like, how, how are you doing this? And she's kind of seeing that, that it would have been unsustainable to be a full-time mom to my children with my husband as much as he travels. Yeah. Um, while trying to rebuild a business, she sees that that would not, and the uncertainty and all that, she, she definitely supports the decision. Um, she is such a, she's so funny. She, she thinks that I, she, she I'm going to do awesome no matter what I do. Right. She believes in me. She thinks I'm great. She's my mom. That's her yeah. job. Yeah. Um, um, but I don't know. I, she doesn't want me to get rid of the brand. That was the mm-hmm. best, the biggest thing she said to me was you've worked so hard. That brand is so you it's your heart and soul. Don't get rid of that brand. Um, try to continue in any way that you can. I write, I I've been writing, um, for a magazine recently in, um, South Carolina, um, where I've been just, you know, uh, freelance writing for them in their pet, um, issue. I have a couple articles. Um, I 
used to write a column for the Alexandria Times. So writing is something that I'll do. I kind of am thinking of maybe the WAG Pack becomes a resource website for pet parents. Um, I'd like to continue uh, podcasting. I have a podcast with Beth, who it would obviously just be me at this point. Um, it's called uh, Covered in Pet Hair. And I would like to continue podcasting. Um, I'm thinking also of maybe doing something fun. I don't know if you watch Watch What Happens Live. I it's haven't, I haven't like, no. <laughs> okay, so it's it's like a Bravo-specific late night show where there's the interviews and like banter and stuff. So I was like, maybe I do that, but in the pet world, like maybe I, you know, maybe do something fun on YouTube, just, you know, sharing what I love and sharing myself and interviewing people or not, or just kind of do something. I don't know. So I'm kind of like tossing some ideas out. Um, I love entertainment. I have been doing, I've done some um, videos. They're on, on our YouTube page. Um, I think pet parents need resources that they can count on. I think it's hard for pet parents to get all the information that they need um, because there's so much of it, but not all of it is quality. So my goal with anything that I do would be to kind of point people in the right direction. I may not be the expert they need, but I might know them. Um, So I think that that's something that I'm considering. Again, the details... I'm I'm kind of still working on them, but we'll see. I think I think the wag pack will have a second life. I don't know what it will be, and I don't know how long it will last. You know, because I also have other interests um, outside of pet care. Um, parenting is not one, so like I'm not going to be a mommy blogger. That's definitely not one. <laughs> I need the help of mommy bloggers. I am not going to become one. Um, parenting is harder than I ever imagined. So I have a lot to learn in that space. Um, and that is going to take a lot of my time, uh, especially because of my husband's work schedule and, uh, living in El Paso where I don't have family and in a quarantine where we can't have childcare. Um, it's, it's hard. I mean, my kid can't go to the school that I had planned to send him, you know, this, this, um, this semester I planned on sending him to school for the first time and he's three and he's home. And so I, I have a lot to do, but I do want to, to kind of make an impact, even if it's just once a week podcasting. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. No, there's a, a lot of exciting things. And I know you're probably still processing everything uh, that you've experienced this year. So that's understandable. I just, you know, I'm looking forward to everything that you've got in the pipeline. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on there. Uh, thank it, you. This has been really informative and a real pleasure. Isabel, thank you so much for coming on, talking about how 2020 has you know, impacted you and how you process that and, and all that you've learned and all these experiences. It's just, it's, it's a lot. And uh, I'm looking forward to the impact that you're going to continue to have. Um, so if people want to get connected, find out more, um, stay in touch so they don't miss these new and exciting things that you're working on, uh, how best can they do that? Um, well, if you're a pet sitter, uh, definitely join Pet Sitter Place on Facebook. Um, and then our Facebook page, the WAG Pack, um, is on Facebook and we, uh, I haven't posted anything since we shut down other than my very sad letters saying thank you so much to, you know, our clients and the community and our peers in the industry. Um, but you know, once I have something to share, I'll definitely be sharing it there. Yeah. Very excited. Can't wait to see what you've got coming. Isabel, again, thank you so much for this and, and wish you all the best. 
Thank you. It's been a true pleasure. I really enjoyed meeting you. Throughout my conversation with Isabel, it was a constant reminder to take ownership in your business, to make decisions that are going to be best for you and for your employees, for your business partners, and ultimately, that's going to be able to give the best care possible for your existing clients. It was a hard decision that Isabel faced in the face of everything that 2020 was throwing at her business. And it's important to remember that we all have our individual decisions that we need to make that are going to be best for us. And nobody can tell you or fully understand exactly all of your reasons for operating the way you do and for the decisions that you need to make. Be empowered by that. Know and have confidence that you know your business and that you're going to make the best decisions possible for both you and everybody involved. And and really, only you can do that. Megan and I want to thank our sponsor for this week, Time to Pet, for making this week's show possible. Head on over to timetopet.com forward slash confessional and check out that discount if you're looking to changing up your software this year. We would love to get in touch with you and hear how you're doing and everything going on. Shoot us an email at feedback at petsitterconfessional.com. Check us out on social media. We're everywhere, basically, at Pet Sitter Confessional or PS Confessional. Check out our website, too, for a ton of resources and all of our back catalog of episodes. We'll talk again soon. <laughs>